The relationship between parents and children is one of the most sensitive realities most of us ever experience. A good relationship contributes to wholeness, a sense of inner peace, and a sense of security. But bad relations between a parent and a child can lead to lifelong hurt, instability, and often deep and abiding anger. It is testament to how important family relations are that a loving connection leads to great joy, but any sense of betrayal leads to things as dire as depression and other debilitating mental situations. Today on Groundwork, we look at the commandment that speaks to the parent-child relationship. Stay tuned. Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney. And I'm Scott Jose, and Daryl, this is now the third episode in a planned eight-part series on the Ten Commandments. In the first episode of the series, we covered the first three commandments that all tied in with reverence for God. In the previous episode, we looked at that fourth commandment on keeping the Sabbath holy. And now, starting with this program, we turn to the remaining six commandments, each of which is quite short compared to the slightly more expansive first ones. And particularly, there was a whole lot of bunch of words on the Sabbath commandment on the last episode, but these are pretty short. And here's the fifth one from Exodus 20, and it's repeated in Deuteronomy 5, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Scott, when I look at these commandments, I always think of the symbol of the cross because the first four are vertical, your relationship with God, and the last six are horizontal in your relationship with one another. And if Jesus sums it up, the greatest commandments are loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, which sums up the entire law. We see why when we look at these in detail. Exactly. You know, really, as you were saying, you know, the scope of these commandments is interesting. Of course, there are things as big as the cosmos, right? Knowing who the one true God is, worshiping the one true God only and not idols, using that God's name with reverence, right? So there are big cosmic concerns. But then there are a lot of civil society concerns that you would expect to see in a set of laws like this. It regulates murder, theft, public lying, lying under oath. Those are all things you might expect. But what's interesting is that God in these commandments, he makes it clear he's also very interested in the nitty-gritty parts of our lives, isn't he? Yes, he is. In theological terms, we call this the transcendence of God and the eminence of God. So God is not only the Lord of the cosmos and every detail of billions of stars and stuff that we may never, ever see, but he's also deeply, intimately connected to every area of our lives in the practical, in the boots on the ground parts of our lives that we say in our existential ways, we sometimes say that that is the real, real meat, the real life. And he cares about all of that as well. Sociologist Christian Smith has identified a movement that's been gaining some traction the last quarter century, let's say, 10, 15, 20 years, called moral therapeutic deism. And this is kind of a a version of, uh, you know, the view of God that he's the old man upstairs. You know, we've all heard that. Like God (laughs) God is far away from our everyday lives. He's, yeah, he just kind of wants us to be nice to, to each other. That's all. God's not terribly interested in what happens in your bedroom. He's not terribly interested in what happens around the family dining room table. Well, the Ten Commandments say that's wrong. God is very interested to know what happens around the family dinner table. That's why he wants to talk to parents and children through this fifth uh, commandment. 
I mean, spiritually speaking, he is there at the table. He's not aloof, not wondering what's going on in heaven. He's actually very involved. I mean, the Hebrew word, lifne Adonai, it means before the face of the Lord. And mm. when these commandments happened and when God had communications with people, everything that happened was considered to happen before the face of the Lord because he's openly inattentive and he's paying close attention to our everyday lives. And we need to remember that. And I suppose some people might kind of think that's kind of creepy. It's like big brother. God's kind of nosy. Uh, but that's not the point at all. Uh, the point is love. God loves us and God wants us to be flourishing. God wants us to take delight in his world, in his creation. And God knows that, you know, when families are healthy, that that's going to happen a whole lot easier. So he's not being nosy. He's being loving by, by making sure that the granular details of our lives honor God, the God who in the New Testament, Jesus teaches us to call our father. God is our father. God is our parent as well. I think that there are some complexities when it comes to the father language that we're talking about. And we'll talk about some of that brokenness later in this episode. But it is important for us to know that when Jesus walked around on the earth, he said, my father, my father, my father. But then something changes after his death, burial and resurrection, where he begins to tell everyone to say, this is my father and your father. So now God has incorporated the family relationship and the family terms into this new covenant of relationship. And this commandment reminds us that that family unit is absolutely important. In fact, as somebody once said, God's love affair with the human race seems to be a family affair. God was always deeply, the covenant itself is kind of a familial thing, right? So God is interested in, in families and God wants Israel to be healthy in this regard. The family seems to be the building block of Israelite society. And it's also, of course, the way by which the, the promised land of Canaan gets parceled out. Families and, and tribes, you know, get certain parts of the land. And it's supposed to stay in the family in perpetuity. Once God gives you that gift, it's supposed to stay there. So families were vital to God. And that's why there is this commandment for children to honor their parents. In Ephesians 6, it says this, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So Paul in the New Testament now is, is carrying on this theme. And indeed, in the New Testament, in many of Paul's letters, there are, in some Bibles even use this as a subheading in the, in the Bible translation, household regulations yeah. or household rules. Paul will have a lot to say to husbands and wives and parents and children and to make sure that, you know, what God emphasized through this fifth commandment continues. By the way, um, in the verse you just read, Paul says this is the first commandment with a promise. I kind of think it's the only one with a promise, right? This is such an important area to have good relationships between parents and children that it actually has an impact on having a good life on the earth, that it may go well for you in the promised land. It's interesting that he ties those together. I think it's also interesting, too, Scott, that, I mean, historically speaking, God has always worked in family units and he's always the enemy is always seeking to destroy family units being, mm. because God is a family being is pretty clear when you look at scripture that he not only introduces himself generationally, but familially. And so this could be a reason why some of the family units are a primary target for the enemy, but also they could be a very powerful place of redemption and belonging mm. and identity. We even see it in adoptive situations where they, they're not even biologically part of the family, but they're brought in and they have been made whole 
whole and they have been able to heal in these family units. And that's why I think God wants us to remember the importance of honoring parents in these situations. You know, some of the best novels I've ever read, some of the most searing novels, the ones that just really stick with you, are the ones that really drill down into family life. Good family life, but as we'll talk about a little bit later, when family life goes bad, because when it goes bad, that's very, very hurtful. And, and that's something we're going to want to talk about before this episode is finished. But first, as we go on into the next part of the program, uh, we'll note that in the tradition of the church, this commandment about parents and children has gotten expanded on. And we want to look at that. So stay tuned. What does it mean to be a Christian and a fan of movies, music, television, and video games? I'm Josh Larson, editor of thinkchristian.net and host of the Think Christian podcast. I invite you to join us for faith-filled reflections on pop culture. Visit us at thinkchristian.net or search for the Think Christian podcast, where we'll be talking about what it means to be a follower of Christ, even in the playful moments of our lives. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork. And this is the third program in an eight-part series on the Ten Commandments, focusing on the Fifth Commandment to honor your father and your mother. But, Daryl, as we noted at the end of the last part of the program, in the history of the church, as reflected in some catechisms like the, uh, the, the Reformed classic, the Heidelberg Catechism, this has gotten expanded beyond just the family. So let's listen a minute to the Heidelberg Catechism. What is God's will for you in the fifth commandment? And the answer is that I honor, love, and be loyal to my mother and father and all those in authority over me, and I submit myself with proper obedience to all their good teaching and discipline. Also, that I be uh, patient with their failings, for through them God chooses to rule us. But then that same thing goes on to say, but you know what? Parents aren't the only authorities out there. There are governing authorities. There are presidents and prime ministers and kings and queens and police forces. And the principle from the mother and father thing extends to, as it says here, all those in authority over me. So, that expands it a lot. Yes, God, and this statement in the Heidelberg Catechism reminds us that God has chosen people and authorities to be put over us for us to be on put on a straight and narrow, so to speak. And it takes humility to honor them in the position that they hold. And then you'll see in this passage, actually, we have one here in Romans 13 that brings this out clear. It says, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Interesting passage in Romans 13. By the way, that servant word that it was in the fourth verse you just read, Daryl, that's the Greek word diakonos, from which we get our word deacon. Mm -hmm. um, these people, presidents and kings and queens and prime ministers and governors and mayors, are God's deacon. Now, that's kind of a startling thing to say, but Daryl, we got to remember where Paul was writing these words or to whom Paul was writing these words. The authorities he's referring to weren't very nice. 
So it's different than our day when we have presidents and prime ministers and officials and leaders and we have the freedom of speech to say we don't like this, we don't want to do that. In this day, they have Caesar (laughs) and Caesar is declaring himself to be the Lord. So when you said Jesus is Lord in that day, you're actually declaring a political war statement against Caesar and you could get killed for that. So it's interesting that even though that dynamic makes our dynamic look like a cakewalk, that is happening and Paul is not saying don't resist it, don't rebel against it, don't fight it, don't overthrow it, don't revolutionize it, but actually submit to what God has established because Caesar wouldn't be in power if God's sovereignty wouldn't have put him in that place. And yet Caesar actively persecuted the church and was a force of terror. So it's quite remarkable in this context. Very different from today where we say, you know, I don't like the politics of Prime Minister Y or President X, you know, whoever. But boy, this really, really does magnify it. Now, to be clear, this did not extend so far that if the Caesar told you to denounce your faith in Jesus as Lord, that you had to obey him because he was God's deacon. No, there were limits. Most of the apostles died rather than do that. So obviously, we're not saying that when the governing authorities tell you to do what is wrong spiritually, that that's okay. No. But in the ordinary run of things, in the ordinary governance where they help keep the lights on and they you know, maybe work for the public health and they, they keep airplanes flying in this day and age uh, and they have law enforcement to, to protect the people and the innocent, insofar as they do all of that, then you honor them as God's servant because their authority is a chip off of God's authority. God's sharing his own authority, interestingly, with these people. You know, what's interesting to me about that, Scott, is that when you talk about God sharing his authority with these people and institutions, God sees it as an extension of the commandment. Mm -hmm. So we're supposed to honor, we're supposed to obey, and we're supposed to allow our humility to come underneath those people who are under that situation to lead. They have an office that actually needs to be respected. And so we need to understand when we're submitting to those authorities that we're actually allowing our humility to go for us, that we obey God and honor God when we um, obey and honor these. And that's probably why in the history of the church, if you go way, way back and look at some of the earliest sort of set prayers, the, the, the written prayers, they sometimes are called collects. Um, but if you, you way, way, way back in church history, back even to the days of, of the Roman Empire, it was a regular occurrence in those prayers that we prayed for Kings and queens and princes and princesses and all those authority. Yeah, it's always in those prayers uh, to pray for all those in authority, to give them wisdom, to give them strength, to give them health, to keep them safe. Uh, Because that in the early church, uh, in those first uh, prayers and collects that they wrote, that was simply a reflection and an extension of what Paul was saying in Romans 13. And it's something that, you know, was called to Jesus' attention once, right? Uh, They asked, Hey, is it okay to pay taxes to Caesar, right? The the Pharisees are hoping to trip Jesus up and make him say something treasonous that would get him thrown into jail. Jesus asked for a coin and said, whose picture's on that? Caesar's? Well, give it to him then. (laughs) If that's what he wants, give it to him. Pay the governing authorities. Pay your taxes, Jesus is saying, because that's how God is superintending the world. So the fact that God is superintending the world by using people that he placed in authority positions that I think that if we in this day and age are not careful, we will miss that we're actually honoring God when we honor those people in those positions. And we'll get to some difficulties in that because when you got people, you all go into 
people who have human error. They have mm-hmm. faults. They have sin natures. And so we're planning on getting into what it means to when people default on those promises, when people are not perfect or when the relationships in family have been broken and hurt. We plan on talking about that in this next segment. Stay tuned for that. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork Conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible. You're listening to Groundwork, where we're digging into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And we're looking at the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. And we've just noted in the previous segment of this program, Daryl, that the church has traditionally expanded this to all those in authority. And we read Romans 13, where Paul tells the Romans, even with the oppressive Roman government they were living under in Rome, it's Romans after all, honor them as God's servants. And he makes a promise here. He says, you know, if you do, if you keep the law, everything's going to go well for you. You'll be commended. Sort of like saying to children, you know, if you're obedient at home, everything's going to go fine in your house. I wish that were always true, right? Yeah. And and unfortunately, like I just said earlier, Scott, that when you have people involved, you're going to have human error. You're going to have brokenness. You're going to have problems. You're going to have sin involved because people are not perfect. And so there are situations where parents have not lived up to the ideals of what they should have lived up to. And there's ruling authorities and governments and official figures who have not uh, actually held the integrity of the roles and offices that they bear. And I, I mean, I can speak candidly about this one, Scott. I've had challenges with law enforcement. I've had challenges with people who who had power over me and didn't use it in a way that was liberating or helpful to me. And it hasn't been very healthy. It's been painful. These are people that I'm called to submit to and honor God by submitting to. But yet the dilemma is that they haven't actually earned that. And it's painful. Yeah, we we know, um, particularly in the United States, that there's just been way too many unarmed black men and sometimes women who who didn't do anything wrong, uh, who were killed at the hands of the police. And in recent years, as we record this now, names like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor are two names that have been on people's lips, but sadly there are lots of other ones. And so the idea that, you know, those who are in authority should hold no terror for you if you do what is right, that's just not always true. Some people who do nothing wrong are terrorized by the police, are targeted by them. And that's very much an an abuse of power that we want to talk about. But we can also shift it back, Daryl, to what happens in households when there's a tyrannical father or a manipulative mother. Then what? Well, I believe that it's important for us to note that, number one, God is the one who holds accountable these officials and these parents He is the one who will actually bring the justice to that situation or bring the healing to that situation if they abuse that power, if they overextend in those ways. Because, I mean, God knows that we're going to mess it up 
and he put things in the scripture, specifically in this verse in Colossians, where Paul says, children, obey your parents and everything for it pleases the Lord. And then this verse for fathers, fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged. So they have to realize that there is a power dynamic there and they have to use that power in the way that God wants them to use it. And when that doesn't happen, then children become discouraged and damaged. Yeah, and as we noted at the very, very beginning of this program, Daryl, the mental health damage that can come when there is severe abuse or even uh, maybe there's no physical abuse, but it's verbal or it's just super manipulative, that creates lasting damage. People end up, you know, <laughs> uh, needing a lot of mental health help to over overcome that. So there are people in all of life, mothers and fathers, grandparents, uncles and aunts, uh, police officers, presidents and mayors. There are some people who have authority just by virtue of their position. But the Bible also, I think, makes it clear, Daryl, that some authority also needs to be earned, right? One of the, uh, and you mentioned this earlier in the previous segment, one of the implications of that verse we read from Romans 13 about God sharing his authority, well, that means if God has shared his authority with you, you'd better use it like God would use it then too, right? right? Wield this authority the way God would wield it in loving and compassionate ways. I think that you're talking about the difference between an ascribed status and achieved one. Right. So, you know, when the authority has been given to you by God, that's something that you've been ascribed to as the table that you're talking about in the family, as the table you're talking about in government and municipal uh, operations and things like that. God has ascribed that status. But then you have to walk in integrity and use that in an achieved in a way that is achieving the governance and the peace that he's looking for, in, whether it be at home, whether it be in your in your city or whether it be in your country or whatnot. But then what happens when when those things aren't happening, what do we do as Christians? That's what I want to talk about. What do we do when those things fall by the wayside or people default on that office? And real quickly, I think we'll just make four observations, Daryl. I mean, the first thing I think when, when we are the victims of abuse of authority is to grieve. If you are denied a loving relationship with your father or mother or both, that's a legitimate source of sorrow and grieving and lament. And we need to be honest about that and cast those sorrows and laments on God. We need to express our anger to God. As we've said in programs on the Psalms of Lament, God can take it. So when things go wrong, we need to grieve. I think that lamenting is a appropriate response for a believer because it holds two truths. One, God is good. And two, the world is broken. And we bring them both to God and say, God, make this make sense to me. I don't understand what is happening to me. Why is it? I didn't ask to be born as a, as a child. Why are these things happening? Why is my father gone? Why is my father, my mother not here? Or why, is my, why are these addictions happening in our families that mm-hmm. make us dysfunctional? I didn't ask for this. And so to lament that is a healthy way to say, okay, God, please make this make sense. Yep. And then kind of a second and third point, too, people who were abused by an earthly father, and especially if it was something horrible, like sexual abuse, if those people in our congregation say they have a hard time calling God my father, if they just choke on that a little bit, let's give them a break. <laughs> let's not be right. too quick to tell them they should just get over it and call God father because that's what the Bible tells you to do. And similarly, Daryl, if you've been the victim of a police shakedown because of the color of your skin— I'm not going to tell you how you should react to that. I'm not, not going to tell you you shouldn't – that should be protested. That should be prosecuted, right? Obeying the governing authorities doesn't mean we just put up with anything. Some things need to be protested. 
I think that in the instances of what you're saying, for those who have this pain and this wound that comes from a family member, or especially in this father situation, mm. it may take some time for them to allow God to speak into that situation and be healed from it so they can call God their father. We need to give grace and time for that. But we also need to make sure that when there are injustices that we need to speak up and we need to continue speaking up as a person who's experienced some of those injustices, having a gun pulled on me when I was a teenager for no reason, we had no record and no problems, but we had these profiles happening to us that is a situation where we need to continue speaking even though we feel like our voices are silenced because that is what is right to do because what we want our parents and what we want to do as parents and we want the governing authorities to do is to wield this great gift of God-given authority in ways that God would approve of and that would glorify God and make life on this earth better that's the goal of this fifth commandment Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney. Join us again next time when we study the Sixth Commandment, You Shall Not Murder. We have a website, groundworkonline.com. Visit it. Tell us what Groundwork means to you and what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork. Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Don Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob.